This is the Self-Help Place podcast, the show that provides real self-help for everyone. Created and hosted by Dan Dyson. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast and in episode four today uh, we're going to be talking about what it's actually like to have OCD. So I'm going to begin this episode to get, um, with a scenario I want you to imagine for yourself. Imagine you not being able to leave your own house due to such extreme fears of contamination from germs, which seems quite fitting considering at the time of recording we are in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and we're on lockdown. And imagine that the fear of germs is so strong that you need to complete these little repetitive tasks that for hours on end just so you can feel a little safe. And if you feel like if you don't complete these tasks, you feel like you won't sleep and eat because that anxiety is so strong. That is just one little insight into a life of an OCD sufferer. Now, OCD is a tricky one to understand, and that's largely down to how it's seen in modern society, and almost like a pop culture thing. You know, we all say things like, I can be a bit OCD with making sure my house is clean and tidy, or sometimes I can be a bit pedantic and OCD-like in how I organize files on my computer, things like that. So we see it as more of a personality quote that's a non-serious trait of someone who can just be I know a little bit pedantic about things. It's even in our entertainment as well. Now, here in the UK, we have a TV show called Obsessive Compulsive Cleaners. Now, I'm not sure if it's still showing this show, um, but the show is basically about a group of people that clean up Britain's dirtiest homes, quote-unquote. Now, the people who partake in this are people who are very, very particular about cleaning. Um, Some don't necessarily have OCD, but it's been reported that some of them do have it. Um... So overall, we do have a bit of a um, poor understanding of OCD on the whole uh, for that reason. Uh, I only wish it were as quirky as we think it is. Um, Sadly, nothing could be further from the truth. And that's coming from my own experience. I was diagnosed with OCD when I was 21 years old. The reality of it, it's it's devastating. (laughs) It's quite simply, uh, it just robs you of any happiness in the moment or any any dreams you want to do and things like that. So just to give you a definition of OCD, um, it's OCD is, is an illness that's characterized by obsessions and compulsions that take at least an hour a day to complete. Usually it's longer, and definitely in my case it was way longer than that, and it causes significant distress. Um, and as I've just mentioned, you know, TV and movies and things like that, we, they either exaggerate, mistake OCD, or they just play it for, for laughs, essentially. Now, according to the World Health Organization, OCD is actually one of the top 20 causes of illness-related disability worldwide for individuals between 15 and 44 years of age. Now, that's quite shocking to read, and to be honest, it was for me when I was first diagnosed with it, because, you know, we often underestimate some of our struggles and some of our pain, especially people who suffer from a mental illness. Uh, We've gotten almost used to having to suffer from what we do, that we kind of forget how significant or how much of a significant impact it actually has on our lives. Um, So yeah, it's a huge contributor to um, non-fatal health loss globally, um, as quoted by the World Health Organization. Um, So yeah, so just to summarize that, it's not a tendency of being, you know, perfectionistic. It's... um, It's quite a serious illness and it has quite a lot of impact on people's lives.
So I'm going to talk a bit about how I came to find out I had OCD because it took me a while actually. Now when I was a kid um, I always had more of a tendency to be anxious. I was always known as a warrior. I used to, not a warrior warrior, just a, a an anxiety warrior because um, I'd worry at school, I'd worry when I was at home. It would just, it would just be like I just worry about a lot of things and of course when you're a kid or even as a parent I guess my parents they didn't we never really saw it as anything bad they just see it seems more of a trait you know I just happen to worry a lot and it didn't have any massive impact but it was quite distressing for me to have to go through that um it was only really when I got into um into work when I started working that I started to notice little things keep kept coming up so you know before I left work for the day um, for some reason, I would always just go back and check things were definitely, definitely locked, uh, definitely um, organized in the right way, which is something we all do. But it was almost like there was a strange feeling that I just couldn't pull myself away. Although at that point, I was able to pull myself away from it. So I just thought it was one of those weird things that happened. Now, I later on took a job which was quite distressing. I worked with um, clients who were going through um, significant distress with finance. I worked in the finance industry and um, of course it was. I had a daily stress with that. Now the job itself wasn't actually too bad but it was just generally, you know, if you're a person who does care about people um, it can be quite distressing um, at times. But um, I really started noticing it and the symptoms really came on. Uh, in that same job, I had to work with a lot of data protection. You know, of course, with, with clients dealing with financial hardship, uh, you are dealing with a lot of their sensitive information. So, you know, there's the Data Protection Act in the UK. Um, and of course, you can get into a lot, lot of trouble if you are careless with that data, understandably. Um, so you have to make sure everything's kept under lock and key, so to speak. Um, now, for an OCD sufferer, um, which I didn't know at the time, um, but someone who was prone to anxiety anyway, I was a, I felt this sense of over-responsibility. Like, it's almost like I didn't have any trust in myself that somehow I wouldn't be paying attention and take something home and or drop it in the street or something. And I remember having those early thoughts, and I remember it scaring me more and more the more I thought about it. And there was a couple of incidents I had where I made some minor mistakes, which were like close calls. But overall, it led me to worry more and more and more about it. And of course, you're dealing with the stress on a daily basis. Um, on top of the work stress, I also had some relationship issues. Uh, I lived in, a, in my own house with a partner. Uh, we had a place together and I wasn't happy. Um, but on top of that, I wasn't really looking after myself either. So I had issues with my diet. I would just eat junk. And of course, you know, junk food has practically zero nutritional value really and if you choose that choose to live off that uh, it's not going to do well for your body and mind i also practically did near to no exercise whatsoever apart from my walks to work um i didn't really care about my appearance at all to be honest but it wasn't significant enough to be a problem it's just i didn't care for working out didn't care for lifting weights didn't care to, to go running i just wanted to come home from work and just sit on my ass all day basically which is sometimes you know that's 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 normal um when you have a long day at work you, you don't want to do anything you just want to sit there and it's it's no problem except I was just constantly like that that was my day in day out so really there were no thinking back to it there were no factors that were helping me in any way really it was all just going towards a bit of a downfall now 
the moment I realized something was wrong, and this this took a while actually because there were already warning signs before, but of course I had no knowledge of things like OCD or really anxiety disorders or anything like that. You know, you you sort of put that out of your kind of viewpoint. You see uh, anxiety sufferers, depression sufferers, things like that. Um, you see it as you know these poor poor people have to deal with these terrible disorders like they were they were born with a uh, some chemistry imbalance and they they have to get therapy and things like that um so you don't really put yourself in that category now that's a very very important point which I will come back to in regards to recognizing um symptoms of mental illness so overall I wasn't really paying attention to that but the moment I knew something was wrong was when I was at work and I just noticed that everything was just taking a little bit longer than it should and I don't mean in the sense of like oh maybe I was slacking or uh, I couldn't be bothered some days it was more of a even if I was lazy it wouldn't take that long Uh, and it was almost like I was trying my hardest but no matter how hard I tried uh, the and the daily anxiety I was I was feeling I just couldn't quite do things as I was able to do in the past like my abilities were declining which was tied together uh, not only with because I was getting more anxious at work but that anxiety was um, making me lose my ability to focus and that's how I knew as a kid um, I did have a bit of an issue with anxiety to a degree even though as I mentioned, neither myself nor my parents saw me as having any kind of, you know, disorder or illness with that. Uh, but I noticed I was very prone to anxiety, which means I was very prone to losing focus. And I had terrible trouble, and still do to this day, um, keeping focused. Because um, it's just, a, I don't know, I couldn't really say this not being a neuroscientist, but it's the way I'm wired um, is that I tend to get carried away with things that are in my own head and I can even feel it happening. I could even feel my anxieties and little things. There's always that kind of a background anxiety and it would always turn my attention away onto that. And like I said, I could feel the focus moving to something else and it was actually very, I mean, it wasn't impossible for me to keep focus, but it was very difficult, more difficult than maybe my peers to maintain a focus. So that was one of the contributions contributing factors and my bosses took me aside one day and was um in in an interesting way were basically like well you know your performance is is slacking a lot and we don't really know why that is and I I didn't know how to answer them to be quite honest I, I didn't know what was going on with myself um I had started to get a clue that maybe something wasn't right when they said that but um the official moment came when I needed to look it up was when um, sometimes for work we'd have to send letters to our clients with their personal details on them, sensitive information. So again, the data protection thing. So all the task was was to put print out a letter, put it in an envelope and put it in the post section at work. Now that takes, what, two minutes? It took me 40 minutes to complete that one task. And I'm not saying printing out the um, the, the letter. I'm not saying getting an envelope. I'm, ta- I'm saying putting the actual letter in the envelope 40 minutes and it was at that point I was like okay something is wrong here I'm suffering and I finally think there's an actual issue and I need to look that up so I wondered why did it take so long for me to recognize that there was a problem like I've been feeling anxiety a long time you know it's been months I've been feeling not right so why is it why is it taking me this long to actually look into it 
So I'll answer that with a quote from Daniel Quinn's The Story of B, and it goes something like this to summarise. If you drop a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll just clamber out straight away frantically because, well, it's hot. I mean, of course it's going to do that. But if you actually place a frog gently in a pot of room temperature water and slowly turn up the heat, it'll start going going into this pleasant stupor like um, any of us in a hot bath. But then as you turn it up more, the frog will, with a smile on its face, will unresistingly allow itself to be boiled to death. So that's an analogy for what happened to me during that time. So the analogy is this. So I'd been letting anxiety build up so much over time, so slowly and so gradually that I didn't really notice it was a problem until it was too late. Now, if anxiety suddenly hit me and I was having all these issues, I would have gone, what on earth is going on? I need to get this checked out. But um, because it was so slow... I got used to things until it got to the point I couldn't do my job anymore. Now, of course, there's lots of factors at play here. You know, it's burying your head in the sand and things like that, which I'll come to. But um, that is essentially what happened. Um, I waited so long to the point where it was just too late. And I just got all these um, issues, should I say lightly, in just doing my job and just being able to function, really. So I, I looked up my symptoms online and it matched OCD. And I can't even tell you, I remember remember breaking down reading this. I remember seeing OCD, and I think it was on the Mind Charity website, and I matched every single symptom on there. And the, the tears were more frustration, and all this time I had no idea what was happening to me, and I thought it was just me, or I was dumb, or this. And then finally there was an answer. There was a possible answer right in front of me, a theory as to what's going on. That, you know, I wasn't I wasn't this failure, I wasn't this, you know, this mess up who just couldn't do his life and job properly. Like I actually had possibly at that point had something that was uh, affecting my life. But I was still in a level of disbelief because I saw OCD and I was like, can't be, surely can't be OCD because OCD is not something I am. I always associated with people who like to be clean and tidy a lot and you know, I was the last person to be clean and tidy. I mean, I closed everywhere in my room. Everything was a mess. Like, I didn't really care. I was a bit of a slob, actually. So I, so I just thought, no, surely it can't be that. So anyway, I called a mental health line. Um, and actually, at that point, uh, there's some things I didn't go into that I was actually feeling quite depressed as well. You know, there was lots of suicidal thoughts going up and around. So actually, I was in quite a bad state. But again, there was that denial in there. Like, I was just continuing like nothing was happening. Um, so these are the other factors. Um, so I called the helpline, they did a questionnaire for me and I ranked myself between one and 10 and how I was feeling on certain questions. And then the day came where, um, I sat in a, a psychologist's office and he came, sat down and he says, I'm afraid you've got OCD. And again, that disbelief came back. I was like, what really? You know, and as I mentioned earlier, you put people who have mental illness in a category naturally, and this is what we do, you know, social categorization, should I mention, that we do tend to categorize things. And, you know, it's a very common thing for us. We don't see ourselves in this category and not just mental health, but, you know, things like just normal illness or belonging to a certain, should I say, tribe of people. You know, there are all these categories we'd like to put ourselves into. And then I was like, oh, hang on a minute. I have a mental illness. And I was like, I don't, I'm just me, like, I'm just, I'm just having some anxiety a bit, you know, and it, and it was amazing seeing that little, that denial come up, and after so long of suffering, and 
obviously the amount of distress I was in at work, I was still under this impression that, you know, mental illness defined who I was, which was a very, very bad viewpoint, but it was something that, again, I didn't know much about, and which is the whole point of this blog and podcast is to provide some kind of education and awareness on it so um, you know that it's way more normal than you think. And then he told me a another frog story. It's funny, these frog stories are flying around, but I don't know why I keep coming up with the find these frog stories, but they just keep coming to me somehow. Maybe there's some association with frogs, I don't know. Anyway, so this story was even more interesting to me because it showed me how I could get out of the situation. And the story goes like this. One day, a farmer was walking down a road and he came across a magic frog. Now, this magic frog was not particularly well. He'd just been run over by a car and he looked up at this farmer that came across him. He didn't know what to do. And the frog says, I'm dying, but I can give you one wish as my final send-off from this world, if you like. So the farmer thought about it a little bit and he says, I want you to give me the biggest farm plot that will never run out so I could just have all the money I wanted and all the work I wanted. So, um, the frog gave some magic word, and bing, the farmer appeared with the house and everything on it. Now, as the farmer was amazed by this house, he started walking towards it, but the frog said, oh, by the way, just before I, just before I pass away, um, there was a piece of string hanging from the attic, but before he could finish his sentence, he died. So the farmer went, piece of string from the attic? Oh, okay. Didn't re- did, so just didn't really pay attention to it and thought it was just some construction thing. Um, so anyway, so the months went by and he was he was enjoying his house, he was selling his produce, he was having a great time, he was getting lots of money. And then one day he decided to explore more of the house. It was a quite big house, I imagine, but he, uh, um, he came to the attic and he found a piece of string hanging from the ceiling. And he was like, oh, there's that piece of string the frog mentioned before he passed away. But all of a sudden he started to get in his head about it. He went, what if that piece of string means that this will all be over. What if this ends? What if that's like the fail-safe string or something? So anyway, so he leaves it alone. That night, he can't stop thinking about the string. Like, why would the frog mention the string as his last words, you know? Why would why would he mention that? So the next day, he goes up and he sees the string again, and, he go, and he's even more freaked out by it, and he goes, I don't like this at all. This string is um, quite a bad... It's quite ominous. So anyway, so he... Um, he, he shuts the door to the attic and he locks it, starts locking it every single night. Time goes by and he's still concerned about it and it's the idea in his head is building up that somehow the string will kill his dream. So before he knows it, he's bolted the door and he's he's put wooden planks on it and to keep everything out. Now, many decades go by and the farmer has gotten to the point where he's boarded up so much of the house to keep away this piece of string from him that at a ripe old age, he's confined to just one corner of his house where he does everything, eats, sleeps, uh, you name it. Now, the farmer being old um, learns that his life is coming to an end shortly. So he thinks, you know what? I'm dying. Let's go and find out what on earth that piece of string actually does. I've been afraid of it for so long. I've been putting it off for so long. Now's the time to go and pull it. So he he breaks all the boards down. He's going through his house. He's getting to the door. He's unbolting it. He's taking everything off of it, unlocks it. There's the string still hanging from the ceiling. And he goes to it. He grabs the string. He takes a deep, deep breath and he pulls on the string. And what happens is the string 
is just a loose kernel in the ceiling and it just falls to his feet. Nothing happens. Now, the reason I was told that story by the psychologist was because that is how anxiety basically builds up. You know, you get... It started off with the farmer and the piece of string. You know, the string meant nothing from the beginning. It was just a piece of string. And it just happened to be mentioned by the frog before he died that the farmer... Remember I said at the beginning, the farmer started getting in his head about it. He thought he started coming to his own conclusions. And then he built his own um, chamber of fear in his head. And it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's also a clue on the self-sustaining... nature of anxiety which I will talk about in another podcast and blog post so the idea was to just pull the string out in the first place find out what it is you know face those fears and just do it right away because that farmer waited his whole life in fear of this string which didn't mean anything and it also summarizes that a lot of our anxieties just do not come to be 99% of the time yet we spend so much time worrying about them so that was a clue on how to tackle that point so more um, onto the subject of what it's like to have OCD. So uh, I'll, I'll explain some of my daily routines. So I would wake up in the morning after a terrible sleep, which is due to a lot of the anxiety, <laughs> terrible, um, well, non-existent exercise regime and just terrible food. And I just woke up with headaches, things like that. So I wasn't feeling good from the start. So anyway, so I'd go downstairs. Um, I'd skip breakfast, which is another good sign. Um I'd iron my shirt, and that was a that was a trigger point for me. It was making sure the iron was off, and it got to the point, at that point, I was taking pictures of the iron unplugged so I can make sure if I got any kind of anxiety trigger at work, I could just look at that picture. So, of course, a lot of it was pl- plugging, unplugging the iron, plugging it back in and unplugging it again so I could maybe register in my mind that I've unplugged it and remember it, because... Normally, you would just unplug the iron and then you would just walk off and you would just know because you'd remember it. But what anxiety does is it makes you doubt. It makes you doubt yourself and it makes you doubt your own decisions and your own perceptions. It makes you feel like you're crazy. So there I was doubting um, and it was like an eternal loop. Normally when you... um, you know, you lock your front door before you leave. Something it's very like normal to forget, and you go, "Hang on, did I lock my door?" So you go and check, and you you, you turn the handle, and you go, "Oh, phew!" But there, there's that feeling of relief that you get. It's almost like the anxiety is over, and you can walk off again. That doesn't happen when you have OCD. Um, you you check the, what would happen is you check the door, but then that feeling of anxiety would still be there. So you check the door again, and again, and again. Now, with some um, sufferers of OCD, they have they they have like a counting thing. They have to do things a a number of times, so they have to do a certain action ten times to reduce that feeling of anxiety. I didn't have that in particular, but I had it uh, a bad enough checking habit where I would just be plugging in and unplugging the iron. So once that was out of the way, um, again I would I would leave. And the anxiety of the iron would just take up all the space in my head. And then I'd be checking the door and things like that. And then I would walk to work. And oddly enough, even though there was absolutely no chance I had anything confidential about my work on my person, I would still be looking behind me to check I hadn't dropped anything. So it was almost like this total made-up palace of worry in my head that would just constantly just be pulling on the strings of my on on my brain basically so when I eventually finally got to work um, 
I would have a fairly uh, normal day, except for the fact, well, I say normal, I, I can totally scratch that word, because every email, every phone call I would make, I would need some reassurance. So I was able to do the tasks, but what would happen is, um, so a lot of my um, work was sending emails and um, making calls, which is a very normal um, uh, set of tasks for an office worker. But every single email I went to send, I went to check with my boss whether I was okay to send it, even though it was quite a normal email to send and really wouldn't be the end of the world if it was wrong in any way, like information. But I would always need reassurance and that is another main thing with some OCD sufferers. There's a, I, I had zero, zero trust in myself, so I always had to get reassurance that some email or decision was right. So there would be that and every email, and I sent a lot of emails per day, um, even that wasn't the worst. The worst part was I would make um, calls, particular types of calls that would be an hour long. Now, the information I had to relay in these calls, um, they they required the, without going into too much detail, um, the information I had to give to clients, um, I had to make sure I read every bit of information because it was all to do with finance and things like that and accepting agreements. Now, a client could accept an agreement but if I hadn't read out all of the requirements properly and they've already said yes, they would still have to go ahead with agreements um, and have to accept that missed out little requirement as well. So long story short, what I mean by that is there was things I had to make sure I read, otherwise there'd be disastrous consequences. Now, I'm sure these consequences would have been fixed, but in my head, it was like the worst thing. Like, if I made the slightest mistake, and this is the key phrase in this, if I make the slightest mistake, it would have catastrophic consequences. And that is exactly where the anxiety came from. So after I finished every call, I would ask my boss to send me over the call recordings. And I do about five hour-long calls of these a day. And I would spend a ludicrous amount of time going through these calls, making sure I definitely had all of these requirements mentioned and it got to the point where I would try and hide the behavior and of course in anything any kind of um you know mental illness when you when you know you're having to hide something you know it's a problem so instead of going to my boss and asking him for all five calls per day I would go to each of the team leaders around the room and I'd ask them separately for a call because that's how desperate I was that's how unbelievably stressed I was to make sure I get these calls, to make sure I listen to them, and only then I could feel safe. Only then, at the end of the day, I could leave work and not think about it. But the, 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 I mean, you could hear. I mean, you could you could hear what I'm talking about. The stress just to go through all that I did. I mean, it was hard enough just doing the, the tasks in the first place and making sure I was ready. That was work enough. But I just doubled, if not tripled, my workload by doing things just to calm my anxiety down. So I did. So anyway, so that would be my day. Come to leaving time, um, shutting my computer down because again, it was a, a little requirement that we had to shut our computers down. So if anyone you know happened to break into the office and um, try to get some sensitive information, you left your computer on. Oh, it'd, it'd be your fault, even though that would be completely ludicrous to think. But it was something we were still responsible for. So the checking would start all over again. So I turned it off. I'd walk away. I'd worry that it's not turned off right. So I would go back and I would 
double check the lights, I would check under, and when my colleagues were like, oh, Dan, what are you doing? You're back here. Oh, enjoy the weekend, kind of a joke. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no, I um, I can't find my headphones. I think they've lost here somewhere, but I'd be checking behind the computer and in front of the computer to check the lights were definitely off and the screen was definitely off. And um, again, like I said, that built up over time. First of all, I was checking for five minutes after finish time, and it got to the point right in the worst of it I was checking for like 30 minutes and I had a feeling my colleagues knew what was up. You know, something wasn't quite right there. I was, I was, I, they know I'd finished and these were days, the days I'm talking about is days I'd finish early. So some days I'd finish at 4 p.m. on a Friday, but I would be there till about 4.30, almost time for them to go, just checking my computer was off. And to anyone who doesn't suffer from this anxiety, that sounds so ludicrous, but this was a reality for me. And it's sadly a reality for a lot of OCD sufferers. They spend a lot of time making sure they and these are and what I'm talking about here these obsessions the OCD is called obsessive compulsive disorder so I had an obsession making sure I wasn't making any mistakes or like leaving anything confidential out and the compulsion was checking I had checking compulsions of different types so it was constantly constantly checking all the time just to make sure things were definitely off and then I'd walk home and then once again the two minute walk would take 30 minutes just to make sure I'd not brought anything confidential and I'd get home and you know making sure oven was off after I cooked you know I could go on and on about my whole day and how many obsessions but you can sort of see the reality it was nightmare it was a nightmare just to get through the day and then I finally went to bed after checking everything was off and everything was done and that's what it that is that is a glimpse into what it's like you know and um I got treatment. I got cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very, very effective. Um, I had eight months of it, and it managed to get rid of a lot of that. Um, but sadly, and this is the whole essence of this blog and podcast and website, the self-help place, I didn't do the self-help part once I finished. So actually, the skills and tools that I'd built up to deal with the anxiety just fizzled out because I wasn't working on them, and the anxiety was still there. You know, it's... um. It's just one of those things you have to keep working on before it goes. You know, it's not going to all get go away in eight months. You know, if you've built a habit over years and years uh, of anxiety, sure, you can get rid of the checking symptoms and a lot of that kind of thing quite effectively, but it doesn't, it takes much longer to get rid of the anxiety itself. So sadly, I relapsed a couple of times, but the absolute worst one, sadly, and I did not see this coming, which is why it was so scary was I worked in a bakery, just as like an in-between, because I started to uh, go backpacking, which is quite odd about anxiety, because I was scared about turning a computer off, and I was scared about putting a letter in an envelope, yet I was quite happy travelling on my own, backpacking around Asia. I was quite happy with that. When that just goes to show the nature of anxiety, we all have our different triggers, and OCD works the same way. We have different triggers to different things. But the worst time it came back was when I worked in a bakery and that was after traveling and it was between jobs and I wanted to, it, it was a job that would allow me to travel more essentially um, and I wanted to just get back into working and not have a bad experience. Sadly, it came back far worse than before because I just hadn't dealt with it. So, um, but it was different, you know. I said before I could, it used to be a bit of a slob, I wouldn't really care about too much about cleanliness. I mean, I'm not gross, but I'm never to that point. But when I worked in this bakery... Um, I started getting contamination obsessions, but it came from the fact that in our training, we were told that, you know, if you were making a product for a customer, you were cooking it in an oven, took it out, gave it to them, they it was undercooked, they got food poisoning, and they 
like tried to sue the company, you could go to jail for it. Um, and as how I mean that was you know very very unlikely, very unlikely that would happen because it, it would take a lot to get to that point anyway. And this sort of stuff, you know, it does happen. Whether you know whether no matter how many precautions you can take, things can happen still. But for me, in my head, that was a very likely scenario because, of course, the as I mentioned before, main anxiety was, you know, something catastrophic happening as a result of a minor mistake. So I thought, you know, in, during a busy time, it did get very busy because um, we were in a service station, um, which is on, um, for those of you listening not who are not living in the UK, a uh, service station is basically just like a big gas station um, where, where you can, um, there's like little restaurants and things you can get. Um, so of course it was very busy, especially during holiday seasons. So of course, if you were tired or just trying to get through the day and there would just happen to be that one little product that you didn't cook right, you know, I thought that was it. So again, the, the, the catastrophic scenario kept replaying in my head and it just got to the point where, and we were trying to open a brand new store. So I was doing 12 hour shifts or something like that. I can't remember how long it was. It was long, 10 or 12 hours or something like that. And I was the one having to clean at the end of the day. So I was just not having a good time. I worried everything I touched would give food poisoning to someone or something or wasn't doing anything right. And it just got to the point where as much as I would never, ever think about quitting a job unless I had a genuine reason, which this was a genuine reason. I quit because I physically could not do this job with the level of OCD I had. And it was sad thinking about that because I there was I worked with some wonderful people and it was a great little job to have to get some more money before I went back out into the world. But um, health does come first, as is the slogan of the self-help place. Your health does come first and it comes before any job, any relationship, anything like that. You just got to, you know, you've got to prioritize that uh, as, a, as, a, as a point. So that is a bit of an insight. Now, the good news about that is that once that happened, I was a bit lost because I couldn't believe, I thought the OCD had gone and I couldn't believe it had come back again. All the compulsions, the nightmare just started all over again. It was like having a recurring nightmare. But the good news is I um, I did um, dive very deeply into self-help after that. Sadly, um, I wasn't in a position to get much ther- um, therapy after that because I started a job that I do now as a musician where I travel the world and I play music, which is a great thing, of course, but it means um, if you put on a waiting list in this country, in the UK, sometimes you're waiting. Yeah, I was. I think I was on a three-month waiting list and I just couldn't wait that long. So um, as much as I say health came first, I thought I would try and do my own self-help because I realized I'd already had the tools through going to therapy. I'd already done that. Maybe I could try with the self-help. And luckily, the self-help did work for me. Now, if it didn't, I would have gone back to therapy. And this is another thing I wanted to just point out. If anyone listening to this is suffering and um, is in a position to stay around to have therapy, definitely do it, especially if if it's your second round. I took a chance by doing self-help, but... um, if I would, if I could have stayed a bit longer, I would have done that. But by health comes first. I also mean self-help as well, taking care of yourself. Okay, so just to conclude this episode today, um, so OCD is very misunderstood, and sadly, due to that misunderstanding, I didn't see, I didn't recognize the symptoms and the warning signs of OCD coming up, and sadly, it got to the point where it was, it, when I say too late, it got too late as in. Um, the symptoms and all the bad things were already there before I had a chance to deal with them. Perhaps if I had caught it sooner, I would have dealt with it at an earlier point. It would have taken um, a lot less time and a lot less stress to deal 
uh, with the issue. So OCD is quite is a very um, serious mental illness and it does affect a lot of people's lives and uh, I, that's my own story of OCD. OCD is something you never really cure but you get to a point where you have kept on top of it and built the tools to deal with it so well that it no longer affects your daily day-to-day life you know I, I still live out my job um, I still I can get up in the morning I don't check things 30 million times a day because I have the t- tools to deal with that and you have to keep that up um, and if you listen to my last podcast podcast episode four um, where I had my friend uh, Dave Norris the musician and he said it was an it's an ongoing thing you know personal development and you know dealing with mental health things like that just like physical health it's always an ongoing thing but the point is to enjoy the process by looking back to how far you've uh, looking back on how you used to be and how far you've come and be proud of yourself right well that's it folks thank you very very much for listening um if you do have any questions or you want to know more about um what i've been talking about today feel free to follow um the self-help place on social media or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, pop over a question. You can also email me at uh, dan at theselfhelpplace.com. I'm more than happy to talk about uh, anything with you uh, moving forward. So uh, tune in. We've got some episodes coming up this week, um, more on, about mental health and experiences as well. I'm looking to get a couple more guests on this week. So tune in and um, I'll keep you posted. Okay, well, thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit the website theselfhelpplace.com for more information.